0: Hello and welcome to the 121st episode of the Northern Miner podcast. This is staff writer Richard Carissa filling in today as your host for editor-in-chief John Cumming. Before we get things going this week, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Yukon Mining Alliance, for their continued support. You can learn more about Yukon Mining Alliance at yukonminingalliance.ca or on Twitter at investyukon. Now, before we get into the bulk of today's program, which is going to consist of interviews I was fortunate enough to do at this year's Precious Metals Summit in beautiful Beaver Creek, Colorado, I want to take a minute to talk about one company uh, based in the Yukon that has just had so much fantastic news out lately, and that is White Gold. The company is listed on the TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker symbol WGO, They recently announced some initial drill results from the Vertigo target at their J.P. Ross Gold property in the Yukon. Their discovery hole intersected 56.25 grams per ton gold over 3 meters from about 3 meters downhole. That was within a broader intercept of 17.34 grams gold over 10.67 meters. This prompted the company to acquire another 920 claims or 180 square kilometers of land in the White Gold District, where J.P. Ross is, as if that wasn't enough, it then also staked 299 claims adjacent to J.P. Ross, increasing the company's total land holdings in the Yukon to 4,090 square kilometers. Now at the Precious Metal Summit, I was fortunate enough to catch up with three portfolio managers from three separate companies, and I asked them all the same basic question. I said, could you describe for me your thesis on the current and near-term future of the gold market? To get things going, we'll hear from Doug Groh, portfolio manager at Tocqueville Asset Management. Hi, Richard. It's Doug Groh with Tocqueville Asset
1: Management. I'm a portfolio manager of the gold strategy at Tocqueville. And we manage about $1.5 billion dedicated to the gold mining sector.
0: Doug, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I was wondering if you could break down for our, our, our listeners your thesis on the gold markets right now. Sure. Well,
1: we're we're invested in the gold mining space primarily for that exposure to gold through gold equities and gold bullion with the thinking that um, monetary policy over time is dysfunctional and gold provides an excellent hedge to that monetary policy around the world. And in particular, we found that gold is a good non-correlated asset to an overall portfolio, a broader portfolio. So when other investments may be doing well, gold may not be doing so well. But when other investments other than gold um, are doing uh, poorly, gold often does
0: quite well to offset that poor performance from other sectors. Right, right. So, you hear a lot of people talk about how they think, you know, we're just coming out of that bear market right now, hoping to see some more progress in kind of late 2018, early 2019. What's your take on that?
1: With regard to the gold sector. Gold sector, yeah. Right. Well, you know, we, we, we've seen a good uh, recovery after 2015 and 2016 uh, with the election of uh, President Trump in 2016 gold hasn't done real well 2017 wasn't too bad but uh, what we've seen in 2018 is a strong dollar and I think uh, that's really what the gold market is fighting right now is a strong dollar Um, the strong dollar is is out there for a number of reasons I think you know we we see uh, the trade wars underway we see higher interest rates I think we see many investors looking for um, some type of exposure to um, the dollar, um, maybe as an offset to emerging markets, uh, so we, you know, we're we're seeing some headwind headwinds against gold, uh, relative to the strong dollar. But at some point, we think that uh, the dollar is going to have to weaken, uh, because it's really much too strong and it's hurting emerging market economies. Uh, so, our expectation is that uh, in 2019, we're going to see a much more constructive
0: uh, gold market. So if I understand you right, in order to see gold go up, you're basically saying the dollar needs to come down.
1: That's, I think, the environment that we're in right now. Gold responds to a lot of different things. Uh, it can respond to, uh, certainly, currency movements. It responds to interest rates. It responds to geopolitical events. It responds to uh, trade developments. Um, any given day, it's a different kind of theme. That's why gold is a rather unique uh, hedge uh, in a portfolio.
0: So, what kind of catalysts are we looking at here that you might foresee as bringing that dollar down and helping raise gold?
1: Well, you know, I, I think if we see higher rates, we could see the the economy go into a recession, which I think would be very constructive for gold. Unfortunately, we'd see the economy slow down, but I think investors would recognize that hey the equity markets have done well Um, it's time to take profits and seek a safe haven which gold really provides in that type of environment Um, ideally an investor sells high and buys low and gold is presenting that opportunity right now it's low the valuations are low certainly in the mining space and we think the gold price is low Um, and clearly equity markets have done well. They're at record highs, and if you're truly a dedicated investor for the long term,
0: you want to be selling
1: high and buying low, so this is the opportunity.
0: Right, right. Um, Moving now away from that towards this event, because we are at the Precious metal Summit. Sure. Um, Are there any stories from this event that have stood out to you? companies that you think are really worth following, or things that just really excite you in general, in the gold or the silver space, since that is what this event is, you know, all about? Sure,
1: sure. Um, well, I, you know, I'm inclined to speak our book and our portfolio, of course. Um, yeah. You know, we, we're we meeting with the companies that we've invested in, learning more about what they're doing and and what we expect. Uh, one of the companies, Corvus, uh, where we're a relatively large investor in that in that company. Um, We're really quite excited about uh, the resource that they're just announcing um, this past week at the North Bullfrog uh, Motherload deposit in Nevada. Um, They announced approximately a 2.9 million ounce deposit which we think could become much larger as they continue to drill. Uh, Anglo Gold is a shareholder of Corvus and Anglo Gold holds properties around Uh, the Corvus land position so we think at some point uh,
0: there's a consolidation opportunity um, around the Corvus uh, investment. Now isn't Corvus, if I remember correctly, isn't it right also next to I think uh, Core Mining? Didn't they just pick up Northern Empire? That's correct. So uh, there's also potential there, I think, for, for correct, some, correct. Yeah, uh, some synergies uh, down the Corvus,
1: road. Uh, I believe, had an uh, investment in... I'm sorry, Core had an investment in Corvus. And, and as I understand it, uh, Core sold that investment in Corvus
0: to buy uh, Northern Mining, Or was it Northern... Northern Empire. Northern Empire. I believe that's the name, right, yeah, Northern right, Empire. Right. Okay, right. so Corvus yeah. is one you like. Corvus is one, And yep. in the silver space, anything standing out to you? Well, I just met with a
1: private company, so I I don't know if this is uh, appropriate for your investor base there, but uh, Sunshine Silver Mines is building a mine in uh, Mexico, uh, the Las Catos mine, and uh, we're rather excited about their uh, project and uh, the developments they're uh, initiating. They should be uh, beginning underground mining in the next two months, beginning in November. They'll uh, begin mining ore and processing that ore next year and um, should be finished with the construction and be, on an ongoing basis, operating in the middle of 2019.
0: Yeah, I actually just saw their presentation, I guess, after lunch today. Oh, great. And they were totally off my radar, and good. I was really pleasantly surprised with, the, with everything that they had to say. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely a good one. Good, yeah. All right, well, I think that'll about do it, Doug. Thank right, you. All right, Yeah, good. keep it good. short and sweet. Good. 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 About thank six you. minutes there, perfect, yeah. Next up, we'll hear from Robert Cohen, Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Dynamic Fund. Just wanted to kind of get
2: your thesis
0: on the current state of the gold market.
2: Um, well, right now, uh, you know, gold is one of those commodities that works when, it doesn't really work when things are really good because no one really, uh, there's no need f- for a flight to gold. It works when things are bad, but it actually doesn't work when things are really, really bad because it becomes a liquidity of last resort. So right now Turkey is falling apart. Their central bank owns a lot of gold, and they're selling their gold to keep the com- the country afloat. And so that's why we're seeing a lot of weakness in the gold price right now. While the rest of the world is, you know, kind of in a, in a kind of a flat period right now, um, where um, there's a lot of uh, net shorts in the gold market right now. Uh, It's not the worst gold market, not the best. But what we can expect in the next couple of years is the uh, Donald Trump trade wars to morph into currency wars. And that's when gold will start to really um, be rocket-fueled. So in this, call it first inning, uh, don't expect much, but in the next inning, We'll see uh, a lot of action in the in the gold price.
0: And you think that's something we'll see in 2019 or 2020 or? I can't pre-
2: precisely, but I would say late 2019, mm-hmm. 2020, something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't can't nail it precisely though. I've heard
0: people say that um, the U.S. dollar needs to go down for gold to go up. Is that something that you
2: agree with? Well, a lot of people. They only look at gold in US dollars, and that's not the right way to look at it. You can look at gold in any currency. So, right now, gold is going up in Turkish lira, um, but it's not going up in US dollars. So, when you it's it holds its constant monetary purchasing power through time. So, when the US dollar is going down, yes, it's, it's saying the same thing the gold price therefore goes up. It takes more U.S. dollars to buy an ounce of gold. Um, Australian and Canadian dollars, for example, are a lot weaker than the U.S. dollars, so the Aussie and Canadian dollar gold prices are actually higher. Um, Canadians really should do what the Australians do. We should actually be waking up in the morning and looking at the gold price in Canadian dollars. What Use will it be if you look at it in US dollars because the Canadian dollar can have a move in a, in a given day so you can actually have days in the market where uh, you look at the US dollar gold price and it's down but because the Canadian dollar is actually down more it's actually up in Canadian dollars like there's so many days in the market like this so the, the, however I guess one thing when you're looking at the stocks um, there's a lot of US influence in the TSX and right. so the, the Canadians you watch on a Canadian uh, a U.S. Thanksgiving holiday when the Canadian market's open, there's so little liquidity. So that goes to show how much liquidity every day is coming from <laughs> south of the border. So those investors in the U.S., they pay a little less attention to the FX and when they want to buy gold, they buy gold. <laughs> and when they don't want gold, they don't buy gold. So uh, it is relevant to look at the U.S. dollar gold price, but if you're actually looking at, you know, from a purely academic standpoint, you know, should the TSX Gold Index be up or down on a given day, you want to look at it in Canadian dollars.
0: So, if you're from Canada, or if you're an investor in Canada, you want to look at it through that Canadian lens. Yeah, for and sure. This, so, the same would naturally apply to if you were living in London, for example.
2: Yep. Look at same it in principle. pounds. Yep, for yeah. sure. It doesn't. You know, it should be where, what country you're trying to earn wealth in. Right, and the purpose of owning gold is to escape ravages. If you're a Canadian investor, just right. ravages of the Canadian dollar. If you're a U.S. investor, the ravages of the U.S. dollar, and the timing might be different. Right. Uh, however, it's good to also use a, you know, call it a bilingual approach. You know, you look at what it's doing for the, you know, from a Canadian investor point of view, but keep in the back of your mind, okay. Well, actually, today it's down in USD. So what can I expect between, as I say, you can have a scenario where it's up in CAD, down in USD, and the TSX index is down when it actually should be up. Right. I've seen that many times. Right. So you can keep that in mind. Okay, you know what, I'm getting it a little on sale today. Right, right. And I understand why it's down because it's the U.S. liquidity is not there today.
0: Right. I think there is a standard at least, or a tendency, I should say, in Canada to look through everything through that American dollar lens yeah, and to hold everything against that for better or for worse. Um, what it's, kind it's a
2: wrong approach, but it's, everyone's so ingrained to look at it that way. We have to break that thinking.
0: It's like a cultural yeah, mode of thinking, so. I guess, right? Yeah,
2: they've broken in Australia or South Africa, but yeah. not in Canada.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of catalysts, should we be looking for in the next couple of years to really trigger some
2: movement in the gold market? In the gold price, gold or? price, yeah. gold price. Well, I would say the currency war is the one. You know, we've had monetary reflation was a big one from two thousand one till twenty fourteen or so, twenty twelve. I don't see uh, central banks around the world printing gobs of money or trying to escape the ravages of, you know, the financial crisis from 2008. That's done. So the other factors that can move gold are currency, FX, um, and inflation, and one kind of goes in hand with the other. Uh, I think we will see a bit of a current global currency war coming in the next couple of years, and amidst that, you're going to see headline inflation increasing and people will start wondering about the purchasing power of their their dollar and with all the protectionist movement in the US ultimately it's going to flow through into higher consumer good prices so they might be calling it a win on a trade war but trust me the American consumer going to the Walmart to buy something it's going to be way more expensive and then people will start realizing you know what I've had a Loss of, a dollar is not a dollar anymore. And they'll wake up to that and start looking for alternatives like gold to protect their purchasing power.
0: Interesting. And that would be the kind of, you know, you started off by saying gold typically doesn't do well when things are really good, but not when they're doing really poorly either. It depends. That would if be like it's not
2: doing, if it's doing like, for example, you got to look at the countries that hold gold. Right. And when those countries like Turkey get into trouble, Gold is the liquidity of last resort. So when they're selling their gold, that's the last tool they have in their back pocket they can do, use. They will use it last, which they are doing now. Mm-hmm. But it is putting pressure on the spot market. The physical market in gold is shallow. The paper market's deep. Right. But when they're 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 pushing physical into a shallow market right now. So you're going to see a soft spot price. So.
0: Right. Right. Okay, moving away from that, I do want to talk very briefly about the Precious Metal Summit since that's where we are right now. Um, Are there any stories from this event that that really excite you or interest you, any gold or silver companies um, that you think are worth keeping an eye on in the near future, maybe one of each if you have them?
2: Well, there's a few companies that have a buzz around their exploration results. Um, I was recently at the Diggers and Dealers Conference in Australia, so one of the companies there, that there was a little bit of buzz around, it's quieter year than usual, but one company that had a bit of buzz was Bellevue Gold. Mm. And just talking to the guys uh, last couple of days here at the summit, uh, they're here, um, and I think they're getting a lot of positive feedback. On the North American scene, I um, Mark Selby at RNX is walking around with that high-grade uh, gold sample that it's probably going to be from a small area of the Beta Hunt mine, uh, but phenomenal uh, jewelry box uh, pay dirt that they've hit, total surprise. Um, and their market cap, I think it went from like 25 million to 200 million, like the stock was up like 30% or 40% in the last day or so, yeah. uh, crazy. So that one is interesting. Uh, other companies that have sort of come out of the blue that have had recent drill uh, results that are good include uh, Great Bear, which are in the uh, Balmer Formation, but surrounded by the Confederation forming and Formation in the South Red Lake area. That one looks interesting. Uh, again, I, you know, I can't get around to the whole conference and see all yeah. the companies that are here. I'm only seeing a small of snapshot and sniffing around and seeing what's what's new. Those are sort of some of the topical stories. But there's some other companies that are, you know, fairly impressive with just what they're doing. You know, just had an interesting meeting uh, an hour ago with Mirasol. They're a project generator very much below the radar, but, uh, and you know, very small float on the stock, but you know, pretty interesting story. Right on, right on. And anyone in the
0: silver space, just last comments Um, well
2: topical is Silvercrest Uh, Mm. they just put out their uh, latest resource I think 87 million ounces if I'm not mistaken of uh, silver equivalent Uh, that's really much a world class discovery new resource in Mexico Uh, so there's that one Uh, Mag Silver is here we had a meeting with them um, they have their joint venture with Fresnio, so that the advantage they have there is they're right in the Fresnio district in one of the most lucrative silver districts uh, in the world's history. Uh, so the, that one's an interesting story as well, but the one that's kind of a newsy one is the Silver Crest. Okay. okay, well, thanks, Robin. I you that you're will do it. Appreciate yeah, it. Cheers. Absolutely, man.
0: Thank you. And last but certainly not least, let's take a listen to my chat with Joe Foster, portfolio manager at Van Eck Associates. What's your thesis for the current state of the gold market?
3: Uh, we're in a weak gold market right now. I mean, there's no no other way to put it. Um, conditions, the macroeconomic environment, don't favor gold because uh, we've got a strong economy in the U.S., um, low unemployment. Uh, there's no serious threat of inflation heating up, at least not, not uh, currently. Um, and uh, people, stock markets making new highs and people just aren't uh, searching for a safe haven. They don't see, feel a need for a safe haven or a hedge against uh, systemic risks. And so, um, and so, you know, because of that macro environment is, is uh, not very favorable for gold
0: been talking to some other guys, and I've heard kind of some people say that in order for the price of gold to go up, the American dollar has to go down. Is that a statement that you would agree with?
3: Uh, there's a strong inverse correlation between gold and the dollar. So yeah, a weaker dollar would uh, would uh, give some support to gold for sure. And that's
0: a uh, historically that's been shown that that's the correlation.
3: Oh sure, th- uh, pretty much throughout history, uh, there's a very strong inverse correlation between gold and the dollar. There are times when uh, they do correlate uh, in times. Fr- you know, the last time we saw a strong correlation was during the financial crisis, uh, when both the dollar and gold were being used as a safe haven at the same time. But generally, the first safe haven of choice is a U.S. dollar. Um, but when we have again systemic risks that threaten the financial system, threaten the U.S. economy. Then gold becomes the ultimate safe haven.
0: What kind of systemic risks um, might we need to see in order for gold, the price of gold, to rise?
3: Oh, in my view, over the next year or two, uh, systemic risks risks are going to rise dramatically. I think we're near the end of of this economic cycle. Uh, the Fed is tightening; uh, they're raising rates. Uh, And just about every time we go through a tightening cycle, it ends up uh, putting the economy into a recession. So if the cycle does end, uh, which I think it will, there's no reason to think this cycle is any different than other cycles, um, then all sorts of uh, financial problems come about because of the, the high debt levels amongst corporates, amongst governments, um, the radical central bank policies we've seen since the financial crisis are creating a lot of distortions in the financial system. And all those, uh, all those things uh, come out uh, in a weak economy. Um, so that's, that's um, I think, you know, where we're headed.
0: So are you kind of of the opinion then that, that we are kind of just coming out of that bear market right now?
3: We're forming a massive base in the gold market. I mean, the bottom was uh, December of 2015. I, I regard that as the bottom. That was the end of the bear market in gold. And since then, uh, we're just forming a massive base, trading in a range between $1,100 and $1,300 an ounce, essentially.
0: Right. Um, now, how much of this is kind of dependent or would be triggered by American politics or you know, kind of global currency wars, that kind of stuff?
3: Um, those types of things don't help, um, you know, the trade wars, and, but so far um, they haven't really had a significant impact on the economy or the financial system. Every, you know, when you look at all, the, all these things that are making the headlines lately, whether it's, you know, North Korea or Syria or, or the currency crisis in Turkey, um these are more or less local events. You know what's happening in Turkey it's 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 bad for the Turkish economy but it hasn't impacted the the global economy to to a a, a large degree. So um and what what drives gold is global systemic risk. Something that threatens the financial system globally. And so far we ju- we're just not seeing that out of out of these these problems that are arising around the world. Right, right.
0: <laughs> um. I, and it's probably a hard question but any idea what kind of catalyst we might be seeing in the next couple of years yeah, yeah. To, to trigger that well I,
3: you know there's always catalysts. I mean just this year uh, you know we have uh, um, uh, the Italian government uh, is broke oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all and and um, uh, they've got uh, sort of a more radical uh, element uh, leading the country now. Um, they're thinking of, of uh, exiting the euro. So that's, that's a source of, of volatility uh, as we go through the rest of 2018. Um, the midterm elections here in the U.S., uh, if the Democrats take one or both houses, then um, that creates, a, a, I think, a new level of geopolitical risk. So those could be, c- be, be catalysts that, that drive gold. But I think, you know, as we go through 2019 again, I I think this economic cycle eventually comes to an end and that brings out all kinds of problems in the financial system that drive gold much higher.
0: Right, right. Moving away from that and towards the conference, because we are at the, you know, the Precious Metal Summit uh, in Beaver Creek. Are there any gold or silver stories that you've kind of um, picked up on at this event that you really like, that you think are really worth following?
3: There's a couple interesting uh, companies um, that I'll follow up on when I get back to New York, but um, I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: <laughs> Keeping your cards held close to the chest on if this one. If you turn
3: that off, I might tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know.
0: Okay, well, uh, I think that'll about do it then. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome, thank you. Yep. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the Northern Miner podcast. I want to thank our sponsor, Yukon Mining Alliance, once again for their continued support. And I want to thank you, the listener, for your continued support. Tune in next week for more news and interviews. This is your host, Richard Carissa, signing off.